Hey, we are in a series called Covenant, and what we're doing is we're basically breaking down the covenants that we find in the Bible. Now, just a quick recap of what we've done so far. Um, Covenant, it means this, a testament or a will between two parties. It's a set agreement having complete terms determined by the initiating party. Now, I know I've keyed on this, but I'm going to continue to bring this to the forefront of your mind, and that is this. A covenant is terms of a relationship set by an initiating party. In this case, the initiating party is our heavenly father in heaven. Amen? And he sets the terms of the relationship. Now, the definition goes on, and it says this, which also are fully affirmed by the one entering the agreement. And so you and I, we see the terms of the relationship God has set in covenant, and then we get the choice whether we want to come along and join and and agree to the terms of this relationship. And I have said this, and I'll say it again. If you have any doubt that God wants to have a walking, talking relationship with you, All you have to do is look at the covenants because I believe with all of my heart that God set these covenants so that we would know how to have that relationship with him. And without these covenants, we wouldn't understand that. And so we've been breaking them apart. The first one was the Edenic covenant, which talked about God's original plan of relationship, which was in the garden. There was no sin, no fall. But if you know your Bible at all in the first uh, two, three chapters of Genesis, um, we, we messed it up as man and we fell. And so the next covenant was the Adamic covenant, which actually described the relationship with the new terms, with the consequences and the promise, the promise that was fulfilled with Jesus coming. Now, if you haven't heard these messages, go back to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel and listen to these because I mean, there's just been a great depth um, in these messages. The next one, DJ, Pastor DJ spoke about the Noahic Covenant, and he talked about when one person enters into a relationship with God, the power that can take place when somebody fully just follows Jesus. And I want to just make sure that everybody is aware of something in here. You are all one. Anybody in here, two people? I had somebody point at his spouse the other, last night, but... We're we're all one, which means this. If you enter into the covenant that God has established for you to enter into, then guess what? You can make great influence in the neighborhood or the place you work or in your family, wherever you find yourself. Guess what? You can make a difference if you understand that God has that relationship with you so that you can make a difference. And he used the story of Noah and the fact that Noah built this ark. I mean, 100 years it took him to build, build that ark. And just go back and listen to the message, incredible, um, in regards to just how um, we have such great power and authority, and just us as a believer entering a relationship with him. Then we moved into um, our house church, and and Pastor Janelle did just an incredible job with the Abrahamic covenant, and she just shared, you know, God has this covenant with Abraham that says, I will bless you. And matter of fact, he says, I will bless you, I'll bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And um, guess what? We're all grafted into that covenant. Um, All of us who are believers were grafted into that covenant. And Janelle did just a great job of bringing up the blessing and the cursing. And then also talking about the promise. God gives us promises. And she challenged us to stir up maybe some of those promises that God has maybe spoken to you um, years ago. That maybe he wants to rekindle and 
revitalized in your life. And so, uh, again, go back, listen to these messages. I think that there's just been such great depth in them. Uh, but today, what we're going to do is we're going to transition into the Mosaic Covenant. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We thank you for the terms of the relationship that you've set before us. And God, I come to you right now with uh, the words of the song that we sang. I am not enough unless you come. And so, Lord, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase in me and that the words that I speak would just go out and um, fall on open ears and open hearts and open spirits. And, Lord, we ask that you would speak to each one of us. God, um, as we go into the Mosaic Covenant, which is really the law as we know it, God, I pray that you would not bring death to us, but you would help us to see the life the life of the terms of the relationship that you established so that we could understand and know what that relationship with you is like even in a better way. And so, Lord, open our hearts to receive from you. God, we give you this service in your name. Everybody said amen. All right. Well, um, I'm going to pick up in um, Exodus. Now, I mean, to do this right, if, if we're going to really go into the Mosaic Law, I, I need to read pretty much all of it. Exodus and all of Leviticus. Okay, so you guys ready? That's what we're going to do. It's just going to be me reading the Bible the entire time. Boy, would that be a boring service or what? Probably would be good. But yeah, okay. I'm not going to do that. Uh, what I am going to do is I'm going to pick up in chapter 19. I'm going to actually start, and I don't know if they have this behind me, but verse 1, uh, just to kind of set the stage of what's happening. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert Sinai. Now, um, so let's get a picture of this. We have been going through these covenants kind of in biblical order. The Abrahamic covenant uh, set that Abraham would be the father of many nations. He has Isaac. Isaac has kids. They have kids. They, they end up in Egypt in slavery for 400 years. Moses comes in and actually delivers them from Egypt and the Pharaoh and en ends up in Sinai. And that this is three months to the day after they had left Egypt, okay? So get the picture of where we're at. And in the middle of that, God begins to speak to Moses um, the Mosaic Covenant. And I'm going to pick up in verse 5 now, chapter 19. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Now I'm going to stop real quick. Uh, <laughs> does this sound familiar? That you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, this is written in Exodus. This is when the Israelites obviously left Egypt, but... Do we not have verses in the New Testament that talk about this exact thing? That you and I, that the believer actually has become a holy, because the Holy Spirit is in them, has become a holy person, and you become a royal priesthood, yes? That's the promise of God. And here's what was interesting as I was reading this. I was like, oh my gosh, all the way back here, this is the term of the covenant that God wanted us to understand. He wants you and I to see ourselves the way he sees us. Do you realize that all striving would go out the window if you would just walk in the way that God sees you? How many hours of our life, how many hours just in this last week were, were spent in thinking about or preparing yourself so that you could impress others? Think about that for a minute. 
Man, we do so many things so that we can get the approval of other people. If you actually understood how God saw you and how he sees you, you wouldn't care about all of those things because the only thing that would matter is how he sees you. And when he sees you and you realize that you are a royal priest, then guess what? All of the other stuff, man, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, does it? And yet we are human beings and since the fall, the words of people and how they see us and how they look at us, that brings esteem to us or tears us down. And man, that is, I believe it grieves God's heart because God would say, I love you. And you are my son, you are my daughter in whom I'm pleased. Man, if we would grab a hold of that, man, how, how would we live differently in the middle of that? But okay, I'm sorry, that was just for you this morning. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will not do a single thing that you have said. We will disobey in every area. Is that what your Bible says? No, that's, oh, wait, that, Sorry. Glasses are getting weird. Uh, no, it says, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Hey, uh, I find this incredibly encouraging um, in the fact that, hey, you know what? Since the fall, I think man has been trying to live for God and doing the things of God and saying, I will be obedient, but then life gets in the way. Yes? I know for me personally, God will speak something to me. He, he will share something. He'll tell me to go make a relationship right or, or whatever. And I will, with all of me, go, okay, I will obey. I'm going to do, I'm go, I want to do that thing. And then somewhere between that and here, I get off track. And here's the beauty, I believe, of the Mosaic Covenant. I believe the Mosaic Covenant helps us to truly understand human nature and therefore actually points us to God. And so let me, let me explain. First, let me set up what the Mosaic Covenant was. As I said, uh, you really kind of need to read all of Exodus, at least from 19 beyond, and then go into Leviticus and read the entire book of Leviticus to fully get it. But I want to just share with you real quickly 19 through 24. We commonly know this as the law. And in the law, there are 613 laws that include the Ten Commandments. 613. If you really want to do an interesting read, uh, go online and search up the 613 laws uh, of Moses. And you will find internet sites that list all 613. It's a good read. Okay, maybe not. Here's what in Exodus 20 to 24 it, it, it contains. It contains the Ten Commandments. It contains idols and altars, and that we're not to worship other gods, that we're not to create altars, but we can set up markers that represent stages and things that God has done in our lives. Uh, it talks about how to manage Hebrew servants, uh, people who work for you, people who um, in that time were slaves to, to the Hebrews. Um, how about this, personal injuries? And there's all kinds of things in this category, including, including what to do if you are uh, gorged with a, an ox, if an ox, oxen gorges you or gouges you. Sorry, not gorges, gouges you. It, it's in there. If you want to know what to do, you can read that. 
How about protection of property? How to, how to manage boundary lines and what to do with p- personal property and what if somebody crosses over to yours and how to, I mean, it's in there. Social responsibility, how to interact with one another. What things we should do and not do with one another. Um, laws of justice and mercy are listed in these five chapters. Sabbath laws, how to keep the Sabbath, what to do on the Sabbath. Talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Annual festivals. Um, you know, there were certain festivals and feasts that the Israelites were commanded to, to do every single year to remember the goodness of God. And so Moses is laying all of this out. And then I'm going to pick up in Exodus 24, just after he goes through that list. Exodus 24, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant. And I want you to catch that. The took the book of the covenant. In other words, these things that God had downloaded to him, that he had placed in front of the Israelites, the book of the covenant. He said, he, he took it and read it to the people. And they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. So they've even added more now. Not only we will do everything, but now we will do everything and obey. But we know and we read in the word that they quickly turned away. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Okay, so the Mosaic covenant, the law. I want to share two things today that I hope you will never, ever forget. The first one is this. I believe that the Mosaic covenant, or the law, was given to us so that we would understand mercy, grace, and holiness. Mercy, grace, and holiness. And so, hey, we're going to do a little interactive portion right now, um, and I'm going to ask a couple questions. And if you're new to the church, um, I do this from time to time, is I'll ask a question, and I actually expect responses. We're actually starting to work on hanging mics so we don't have to pass around a microphone so that the people online can hear the responses. Um, Today, I will be repeating your response so that everybody can hear. But real quick, when you hear the word mercy, if The Mosaic Covenant helps us to understand mercy, grace, and holiness. When you hear the word mercy, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear the word mercy? Not getting what we deserve. Really good. Talk about that in just a minute. Somebody else. Forgiveness from left and right. Right on, very good, forgiveness, very good. A pardon, okay, I like that. Anything else? I love the terminology that Mike just said in regards not getting what we deserve. All right, Um, if you want a full understanding of the mercy that God gives to each one of us. Here's what I want you to do. For the next month, I want you to satisfy and live by all 613 laws. Okay, first off, that means you must memorize them. How many of you have a t- tough time memorizing one verse? <laughs> I include myself in that. So first, you have to memorize all 613 laws, and then for the next 30 days, I want you to live by every single one of those things. And here's what will happen. You will begin to understand 
this is impossible. I cannot live up to this. And then you'll begin to realize some of the things that Paul wrote in Romans, that all fall short, that all sin, and the wages of sin is death. We're going to get to it in just a minute with the holiness. But what I want you to understand is if you can't keep all 613, not just for a month, but for the rest of your life, then you fall short. You fall short. And I would bet that even if you could keep 613 laws and keep them regular in your life, you would struggle from pride like the Pharisees did. And guess what? You fall short. You fall short. The Mosaic law was given, church, so that we would have an understanding of the mercy that you and I have been given in Jesus Christ. What we have been saved from. Man, I think we missed it. I think there's a pride in us, especially, especially in America. We just are blessed, and we just have things, and we try to live really good lives, and we try to do our best to be really good people, but that doesn't get you there. Now, see, this, there should be more amens coming right here. There is something in all of us, and me included, that, you know what, if I just do my best life now, and if I just live like a good person and try to treat other people the best that I can, then, you know what, I, I think I'll be able to stand before God and go, hey, look, I did the best I could. And I'm just here to tell you that when you stand before God, all of a sudden you'll realize just how much mercy you need. Mercy being not getting what you deserve. Even the best person on this planet is blemished. And we have to get that. We have to understand that. We have to take that in. Church, don't miss this, what I'm saying to you right now. Because the mercy of God is great. And the more you understand the great mercy he's given you, the more you'll be drawn to a loving father. What's that saying? The more, more you've been forgiven, the more you'll forgive. Forgiven much, forgive much, loved much, love much. There's something that comes with human nature that when we are given something to a great de detail, we have an understanding of it and then we can give it. But when it comes to mercy and grace, I think sometimes we take it for granted. Yeah? Okay, what about grace? How about grace? When you hear the word grace, what comes to mind? Second chance. Oh, like that. Second chance, okay. Patience, love that. Empathy, ooh, love it. These are great words. What else? I've kind of heard grace being kind of the antithesis of mercy. If mercy is not getting what we deserve, what does that make grace? Getting what we don't deserve. Getting what we don't deserve. Do you know that if you do a word study and where it says grace, that if you, if you go into the Greek um, and the Hebrew, but especially in the Greek when you get into that word, you're going to see grace and favor put together. I can't get away from every time I look it up that if there's grace mentioned, it seems like the favor of God is mentioned. And I just find myself thinking that grace is that unmerited favor that God gives to you, which I spoke of earlier. If we would see ourselves the way God sees us and understand the favor of God that rests on our lives because 
we are his children, we would live different lives. Yes? And I don't want to discourage anybody by this. Uh, I want it to be encouraging. Here's the truth. Our entire life, our entire walk with God is just a moment-to-moment maturing in this understanding. And so if you hear me say this and you're like, man, I just don't know if I think that way. Well, guess what? Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and he'll give you a, another little nugget. We, as a, as a teaching team, there's a vision team meeting that we had in January and one of the things that came out was we want to just get 1% better. If we could get 1% better, 1% better, 1% better, man, we would continue to grow into this relationship that God has set through these covenants that he wants us to understand. I believe that the... Mosaic law, the covenant was given so that we could understand grace, the favor that we have. I believe that if the law wasn't written, I don't know if we could truly understand the favor of God that has been upon us life, in, on our lives, okay? Now, last one, holiness. When I say holy, what comes to mind? Set apart, love that, okay, what else? Fear? Pure, sorry, pure. Pure, yes, I love that, that's good. Somebody else? Perfect. Somebody last night said spotless, love it. Anybody else? Dedication to God's use, ooh, love that, that's good. That is really good, anybody else? I don't know if we have a really good understanding of holy. I'm just presenting that, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but um, we know that God is holy, yes? We know God is perfect. He is spotless. Um, as a matter of fact, um, in one section, it, he's talking to Moses. Moses says, I want to see you, and, and God says, well, I'll pass by you, but you will not be able to see my face, because if you see my face, you surely will what? Die. Okay, in other words, there is something about holiness that goes beyond what our brains can actually maintain and, and take in. If we actually were to present ourselves before the holy God, we would die, according to what God was telling Moses. And so I want to give you a picture that um, we wouldn't understand what holiness is unless God gave us this Mosaic law. Because the Mosaic Law actually helped us to understand that in the middle of all of these things that I think we all would agree, man, it's just impossible to do this and, and be perfect in this, um, yet God is holy. He's able to fulfill all of these things. And so as I was preparing this, we had prayer on Tuesday. Um, by the way, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, anybody wants to come and pray for the church and for our, um, for our city, man, we'd love to have you. Um, but we were praying this past Tuesday, and Darren Rose was just, he got into this vein and he was, he, this is what he prayed. He goes, Lord, I pray that our natural will become super. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so good. Yeah, because then if we could live supernatural lives, it takes, God takes our just natural lives and he makes them super with the Holy Spirit and we become supernatural. And it actually reminded me of a section of the Bible that I'm reading in Ezekiel and here's what happens. Ezekiel is prophesying against Israel, against Jerusalem. And this is what he says. One of the things that God had fault with them is that they were mixing the holy 
with the common. They were mixing the holy with the common. They were taking the sacred, holy things of God and they were doing common things with them. And God said, this is one of the reasons I'm judging you. 20 chapters later in Ezekiel, when God is telling Ezekiel that he's going to restore Jerusalem after 70 years in Babylon, then he said, when you get restored, tell the priests to teach the people the difference between holy and common. Church, I want you to get this. There are holy things of God that I believe people mix in with the common and therefore we lose the power of what God wants to do in our lives because we're taking what God is setting apart that's holy and we're mixing in the common. Let me give you an example. Marriage, we call it holy matrimony. It's set apart. Unfortunately, we live in a world where marriage is being completely diluted, yes? We're mixing the common, common relationships into a holy relationship, and it is diluting the power of a holy union, yes? And so I just wanted to encourage you with this. Angela Rose, um, who leads our prayer, said, when I, when I said that during prayer, she was like, oh my gosh, Dan, I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is just telling me right now, listen, um, we are holy. Do you know that if you ask Jesus in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit deposited into you, and let me just ask you a real question, how much of the Holy Spirit do you get? You get all of him. So if you have all of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are holy. Man, there should be an amen there. Like, okay, woohoo! I, I, <laughs> if we would get this, think about this. If you woke up in the morning and you went, I'm holy, watch out today. I've got God inside of me, and so wherever I go, I'm bringing him with me, and I am holy. And everywhere I go, every person I talk to, everything I touch is going to become holy because I got the Holy Spirit in me. It's not anything that I do, but it's solely because the Holy Spirit is in me. I'm holy. But how many of you think of that way? I find myself thinking common thoughts all the time. I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I can't communicate this right, I, I'm even struggling right now. Maybe I'm not getting this across the, the way that I want to. I, how many times do you struggle with common fleshly thoughts that wage against what God wants us to have in holy spirit, holy thoughts? Oh, this is good. And if you take anything else away, take that away. You are holy. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are holy. When you walk into a room, don't be like, oh, I wonder what I'll say. Do you know that Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what to say? Because guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to be in you, and because of that, you will know what to say. And when you have that understanding, you'll walk into a room with boldness and courage and confidence, and you'll go, man, I have got the Holy Spirit in me. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but here it comes. Because... The Holy Spirit is in me. And I just feel like because of the Mosaic Covenant, God has given us understanding of not only mercy and the grace, but the holiness of who he is and the great news that Jesus Christ died so that we could have that inside of us. Paul writes about this in Romans 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. I, a lot of Romans is about this, but a few verses I want to bring out. 
Romans 3, 19 through 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. What, what is he saying? He's saying, hey, look, if, if because of the law, we now know the 613 laws, guess what? Every single person knows that they can't fulfill these things. Every mouth will be silenced. There's not a single person that can take pride in the fact that they can do all of this because nobody can do all of these things. Every mouth is silenced. The whole world will be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We wouldn't know what sin was unless we had the Mosaic covenant. We wouldn't have an understanding. And as a matter of fact, before and all the time leading up to the Mosaic covenant, here's the pattern you have. You, God creates, man messes it up. God creates, man messes it up. God creates, man messes it up. And what do they do? They mess up because they just go to the, the lowest common denominator. They go to their flesh. Why, have you ever thought, why did God wipe out the entire world with the exception of Noah and his family? Because they got so bad. We think things are bad now. Dude, I've heard teachings that it was, it was so bad that you, even the most compassionate person would go, dude, I, that needs to go away. It needs to go away. In our own nature, we go to the lowest common denominator, yes? And so without understanding what the law was, we wouldn't understand what our sin was. And so God gave us this understanding, his grace, his mercy, so that we would know these things. Romans 5.20 says this, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigns in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is in a section that talks about um, when you try to do stuff in your flesh, it actually just simply entices your flesh. Let me give you an example. Um, when I first asked Jesus to my heart, I was a smoker. And I had tried to quit smoking many different times. Maybe some of you have had this experience where you have something you're addicted to and you decide in your flesh, I'm going to stop. The day that you say, I'm going to stop, is the day that you will think about that thing for 24 hours straight. Yes? The moment in your flesh that you say, I'm going to stop this, it actually entices the flesh. And I remember trying to quit smoking, and the only thing I could think of is, oh my gosh, I wish I could have a cigarette. I wish I could have a cigarette. I wish I could have a cigarette. I wish I could. That's all I could think about. Until finally, what do you do? I'm caving. I can't, I can't do this. And what's interesting, as soon as you had that one, then you didn't think about it anymore. The flesh entices that, and here's what he's saying. Hey, look, sin, if you try to stop it in your flesh, all it does is it rises up that flesh inside of you more, and he's saying, hey, thank God for Jesus Christ. Because no longer do you have to try to overcome things because, or in your flesh, but now you can just apply the blood of Jesus. And as Kim prayed earlier, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when the spirit of God tells you, stop, fill in the blank, guess what? You'll have the grace to do it then. We try to do things in our flesh instead of just seeking him and doing what he tells us to do. I'm telling you right now, that if God speaks, you, speaks over you something, he'll empower you the ability to do it. Romans 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, 
I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covenant. So again, just more scripture that just, I believe, proved the point that, hey, the law actually helps us to understand the mercy, the grace, and the holiness of God, okay? The second thing that I want you to never forget is this. The law, the Hosea covenant, the law actually helps us understand healthy attributes of living. Healthy attributes of living. Now, I'm going to just open up right now and let you know there is some controversy about this. There's, um, there's a lot of different viewpoints. You can go online and study this out, and you're going to read different articles, and you're going to see different points of view, um, and all of them use uh, the Bible and bring in different aspects of what the Word of God says. And so I just want to make it clear, this is not a salvation issue we're talking about, but this is an understanding of maybe there's something that God wants to give us life in through the Mosaic Covenant, through the law. Leviticus. Um, <laughs> we make joke of Leviticus. Um, if you want to go to sleep at night, read Leviticus. Uh, if you're, um, you know, <laughs> if you can make it through Leviticus, man, that's, I, many of you, may, I had a couple people last night come up, maybe some of you are today, uh, say, hey, I'm trying to read the Bible in a year, and I'm in Leviticus right now. And they're like, thank you for teaching this because at least maybe now I maybe have some interest in it. Leviticus, the entire book is just law after law after law after law after law. Matter of fact, let me summarize real quick. It gives us laws on offerings, on ordinations, on clean and unclean food, on purification, on disease management, on atonement, on sexual relations, on many other various laws. There's a whole chapter just called Other Various Laws. Punishment for sin, rules for priests, sacrifices, festivals, what to do with blasphemers, the Sabbath year, the year of jubilee, rewards and punishments for obedience and disobedience, dedicating the things to the Lord, including how you should give money and what you do with money. That you shouldn't borrow. When you borrow, you shouldn't expect back. Or when you give, sorry. When you lend, you shouldn't expect back. I, just so many different things. Galatians 3, Paul writes this about this section of, of, of the Mosaic, or of this section of covenant. He writes this in Galatians. The law was our guardian. Now, if you look that word up, the word guardian actually means tutor. So get this. The law was our tutor until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now this faith has come, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian or under that tutorship. So before Jesus, the law was a guardian or a tutor to the people to understand how to please God and how to live healthy lives. God was giving the people very practical life application things to actually apply into their life so that they could live a free life, to live a good life. What food to eat? What food not to eat? What happens when you get sick? What happens if you get a disease? How to handle that? How to handle clean, cleanliness and uncleanliness? Jesus says in Matthew 5, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter 
not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Okay, so this is where we get into the controversy. Are we bound to the law? Did Jesus come and fulfill the law, and therefore now we don't have to pay attention to the law? Where do we stand? How do we take this Mosaic covenant and the law that came from it, how do we apply that into our lives today? Well, one of the things that you will see, if you look this up, you will see that many people write about a moral law and a ceremonial law and the difference between the two. Just real quick, help me out. When you hear moral law, what comes to mind? Huh? Right versus wrong. Somebody last night said, I can go to bed at night. I can sleep at night. I think there's something written in our hearts. As a matter of fact, one of the articles I read uh, used the scriptures to talk about that God will write his law on our hearts and on our mind as just kind of, hey, the, this moral law will be written into us. Huh? Your conscience, okay, yeah. Other thoughts to come when you think about moral law. Any particular law or regulation come to mind? Treat others as you would treat yourself. I mean, Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what Jesus said about it. I love it. I, I, I can see the wheels turning in your heads right now. It's, it's good. How about do not murder? Moral law, ceremonial law. Moral. How about lying? Moral law, ceremonial law. Yeah, I, these are laws that <laughs> they're going to be from the beginning all the way to the end. There's just something that everybody would agree. Hey, listen, we should not do these things. Uh, R.C. Sproul actually wrote this way. Um, the difference between, for him, uh, a moral law and a ceremonial law is this. Um, if God were to change it, that his character would be called into question. For instance, moral law, murder, do not murder. If all of a sudden God said you can now murder, that would call into question his character, yes? Okay. Um, God said that the, the descendants of Abraham should be circumcised, but now we know because of what the disciples decided that they weren't going to have the Gentiles go through that procedure. They didn't have to be circumcised. Did that change God's character? No, as a matter of fact, that, oh man, our Heavenly Father actually embraces us and accepts us where we're at, yes? And so there's a difference between this moral law and this ceremonial law. And so I went to a website in my study. There's, there's a really cool website called gotquestions.org. Um, if you ever want to kind of just ask random questions about God, gotquestions.org. And um, I went there, and this is what it says, moral law. The moral laws relate to justice and judgment and are often translated as ordinances. They are said to be based on God's holy nature. As such, the ordinances are holy, just, and unchanging. Their purpose is to promote the welfare of those who obey. The value of the law is considered obvious by reason and common sense. The moral law encompasses regulations on justice, respect, and sexual conduct and includes the Ten Commandments. Now, here's what's interesting. As I was reading through this, most people think the Ten Commandments are moral laws. Here's the problem. One of those Ten Commandments is thou shalt observe the Sabbath. This has got me wrestling, man. <laughs> Just personally. 
Because, man, if, if that's a moral law, uh, yeah, I'm doing real good. I do a lot of work on Sabbath and not a lot of just hanging out with God. But I, here's what I do know. If I were to take a day of Sabbath, there would be so much life in it. God would bless it. He would be all over it. And I would be a better person if I did it. Here's what I find about these laws, that if we will subject ourselves to them, whatever they are, guess what? We'll be better people because of them. We'll be better because of them. Now, what is ceremonial law? Ceremonial law, this is what it says. Ceremonial laws are called hukim or shakuah. I don't know if I'm saying those right, in Hebrew, which literally means custom of the nation. The words are often translated as statutes. These laws seem to focus the adherent's attention on God. They include instructions on remaining right with God. For example, sacrifices and other ceremonies regarding uncleanliness. Remembrances of God's work in Israel. For example, feasts and festivals. Specific regulations meant to distinguish Israelites from their pagan neighbors. For example, dietary and clothing restrictions. And signs that point to the coming Messiah. The Sabbath, circumcision, Passover, and the redemption of the firstborn. Some Jews, now listen to this. Some Jews believe that the ceremonial law is not fixed. They hold that as societies evolve, so do God's expectations of how his followers should relate to him. This view is not indicated in the Bible. This is where the struggle comes in. Because clearly, we can see that some of the things that were written as part of the Mosaic Covenant, part of the law, we don't keep today. I would bet to say most of you are breaking the law right now in the fact that none of us are supposed to wear clothing that has two different materials in it. That's the law. And I'm guessing um, most of us, if not all of us, did not celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle um, this past fall. Uh, that's a festival and, a, and, and a, a thing that we were supposed to keep. Some, um, <laughs> some people, it just, there's so many different ones that, that you could go into. The food you eat. Um, just show of hands real quick. How many of you love bacon? Breaking the law. You're breaking the law. Now, thank God Peter had a vision, and God opened that up and made it very clear. Bacon's okay. Amen. Okay. It goes on. It says, Christians are not bound by ceremonial law since the church is not the nation of Israel. Memorial festivals such as the Feast of Weeks and Passover do not apply, i.e. Christians are not required to sacrifice or circumcise. How many of you glad that we don't have to follow the laws of sacrifice right now? How many of you are glad that you didn't have to bring your lamb in today and have me cut its throat and have blood fill this whole place and me sprinkle blood all over you guys? I had one person excited about that. Everybody else said, no, that'd be kind of cool. No, it would be messy. Have you ever thought about that? We're not bound by those things anymore. So I, I'm not, I don't know where you stand, and all I am doing right now is trying to present to you so that you kind of see a picture of this. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And some people would say, hey, in that fulfilling, we don't have to live by any of those laws. I kind of disagree with that because I think we should not murder. And I, I think that there are certain things that we should absolutely keep. I'm not sure uh, where you find yourself in this, but here's what I do know. That what was written in Exodus and Leviticus 
if you would live your lives by those things, it would be good for you. There's a blessing that comes that way. Let me, let me just give you for example. Um, there's absolutes that God sets up, and I believe some of these things were set up in, in the Mosaic Covenant. Um, it, he didn't say this, but let's take gravity, for example. Hey, whether you believe in gravity or not, if you get on this building and you step off, you're going to break a leg at best. It's going to hurt. You're going to fall. doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Hey, finances. Do you know that if you don't borrow money, your finances will be very healthy? There's things that God has set up there. Uh, some people, I make light of the bacon thing, but some people actually have gone back and go, hey, there was a reason that God doesn't want people, to, didn't want people to eat pork. And so therefore, I'm gonna take that out of their diet. And there are health benefits for those that do that. There are some people that like to celebrate the Passover and the feasts. And guess what? They get so much life and so much joy from doing those things. Here's what I would just simply submit. Practices that God set up in the Mosaic Covenant, they're still good today. They're still good for us. But here's the beauty of it. None of those things brings righteousness to us. The only one that brings righteousness is Jesus and what he did for us. And so I go into all of this detail just to bring this to light. Maybe Leviticus, maybe there's something good in there for you. And here's the beauty, that we all have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, as we read a book like that, that maybe before today would have put us to sleep, maybe the Holy Spirit will start to spark an interest and give us an understanding of maybe some things that you, through the Holy Spirit, He wants you to do. Now, here's where it gets tricky. We got to make sure that we don't take what God tells us and project it on anybody else. Okay, We have to go with the conviction that God has put into us and live by that conviction and let the conviction that God puts in you to live, to let those people live by that conviction. But I do believe that in that Mosaic Covenant, there is life that God wants us to find. And I would just challenge you, maybe read through those chapters and just go, hey God, is there anything that you have for me? But bottom line, you know where true life comes from is Jesus Christ. And it's our relationship with Jesus and the Mosaic Covenant and the law that God was given was so that we would understand how much we would fall short. So we would understand the grace, mercy, and holiness that comes through Jesus Christ. And therefore, we could live with that understanding so that we would then ultimately worship our God. And go before him and say, thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Father, for sending him. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so I could have this life. And not just life, but life abundant. And when you have that understanding, you know what? When we get together and we corporately worship God, things like what happened today. Man, there was just a spirit of life in worship today. Man, it was so good. It's, I don't know this for a fact, but I almost wonder if, I could tell the spiritual climate by how you guys come in on a weekend for worship. Because when you understand that mercy and grace and the favor and the holiness, you come in, oh God, you are so good. And when you're struggling in your flesh and you're just like, God, are you even there? And it comes out in how we react, yes? So I'll just close by saying this. You are holy. You are not common. You've been given mercy and grace and you are holy. 
And so I encourage you, live that way this week. Live that way this month, this year, and for the rest of your life. Ask God for a better understanding of that holiness in your life. Ask him to show you what you've been saved from so that you will give him more and more glory. And as we do that together, man, I just believe the spiritual climate of this church and this community will just radically be changed. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Mosaic Covenant. God, thank you for, again, another covenant that just points us to you and points us to relationship with you. And so, Lord, I come and I just simply close this service by asking every single person, God, I pray that you would help them to understand what you have for them for them in this covenant. God, first off, help us all to realize that we are not receiving what we deserve. God, give us a deep understanding of that so we will be so thankful and grateful. God, help us to understand the gifts that we do get that we don't deserve. God, the favor that you have in our lives. God, give us a picture of that. And Lord, help us to understand that because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, when we live by the Spirit, we are holy. And when we live by the flesh, we are common. So God, I pray that you would capture our minds and help us to think more spiritually minded things than fleshly common things. God, help us to not mix the two together and help us to be more bold and more confident in these things. God, we thank you for the life that comes. <laughs> I never thought I would say this prayer, for the life that comes from the law. <laughs> God, help us to receive that life. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.